thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So for those of you who've been coming, you'll know we started last week um, a new series on the book of Ruth. Uh, somebody came to me and said, oh, we've already done, we've done book, we did Ruth last year, why are we doing it again? No, we did Esther last year, okay, different woman, okay, similar graphic, you know, but actually it was a different lady, different story, this is Ruth. And there's only four chapters, so if you say, oh, I'm not very good at reading the Bible, it's four chapters, it's easy, it's quite short. Um, those of you who've been coming on a, a Thursday for, with Jeff, you know, I'm looking forward to already the time he gets to this book, you know. I think it's full four chapters, you might combine it with another. Who knows, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I used to avidly watch the children's programme, Mr. Ben. Anyone else? A few weeks ago we had George and Zippy off Rainbow, this week it's Mr. Ben. All right, real cultural references for the 21st century. Um, Mr. Ben, anyone know what Mr. Ben was just before I launch into this? Okay, yeah, even Thea knows what Mr. Ben is, okay? Mr. Ben um, was this guy, he walked a funny way because his legs just went like that as, as he moved along. And uh, he used to walk along every week and go past a fancy dress shop. And he'd go in a fancy dress shop and he'd go and try an outfit on. But I just have to stop there and think, what, who has to go to a fancy dress shop every week? I'm not being funny, he must have had a really good social life is all I can say. But uh, we don't even know his first name, he was just Mr. Ben. It could have been Jeremy Corr, but hey, um, just think about that one. Jeremy Corr, Ben, okay. He had, must have had so many parties. And actually, he went into the changing room and he always left by the wrong door. Just again, what changing rooms do you know? They've got two doors, I don't know any. But uh, he used to go in the changing room, try on this fancy dress costume leave by the wrong door and end up in a different time and place. It was quite mysterious. It was like a, a, the forerunner to quantum leap, I think is probably the way I've, I would put it. Um, but he always go out this different door and you would think every week he goes in this shop he would learn which door to go out of, wouldn't you? You would think he would know what to do, but he always went through the wrong door. And then, there is a point to this, okay, I'm not just reminiscing this morning, there is a point to it. He would always end up in this place and the costume would fit in perfectly and He'd get to a point where he'd finished what he needed to do, and then there was this phrase, as if by magic, the shopkeeper appeared. And the guy who ran the fancy dress shop suddenly would appear, take him back into the shop, get him out of the fancy dress costume, and send him on his way. And so this phrase, as if by magic, you know, in the book of Ruth, it doesn't say, as if by magic, okay? But it does say, just at this time, just at the right time, or it just so happened that... That is a phrase that is used in this chapter of Ruth to say, it just so happened that. You know, in Mr. Ben, it might have been, it just so happened that the shopkeeper appeared. In the Bible, it's, it just so happened that this happened. So as we look at the story of Ruth chapter 2, it starts with an, it just so happened. Okay? It just so happened. And the whole chapter is full of it. It just so happened moment. So I'm going to read, and I'm going to read from Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to read in the message version this morning, and I'm going to break it into small bits. So Ruth chapter 2, starting at verse 1. 
says this. It so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage. It just so happened. It was just so. It just so happened that Naomi had a relative by marriage. A man prominent and rich connected with Elimelech's family. That's Naomi's husband who's died. Okay. His name was Boaz. One day, Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, said to Naomi, I'm going to work. I'm going out to glean among the sheaves, following after some harvester who will treat me kindly. Naomi said, go ahead, dear daughter. So, Ruth is taken to where she needs to be with Naomi, and she says, I'm not just going to sit around and wait. I'm not prepared to just sit and do nothing. I need to be active. I need to go and help us survive. We haven't got anything. We've not got a husband anymore who provided for us. I need to do something in order to survive. So she says, I'm going to go out and glean. Now, gleaning was a law. Okay, just to explain a bit of history. Gleaning was a law. Farmers and landowners weren't allowed to go over a field twice. They had to go over it once and anything that they'd left behind they had to leave so that those who were less fortunate could come in and could gather up what they needed and take it home. So it was a little bit like our benefit system in that sense, that people could take something that they needed even though they weren't able to work. So they would follow the plows in the fields, collect the stuff that was left and take it home. They would go through orchards and collect apples that were left. They would go through olive groves and pick up olives that were left. But as a job, it was tiring. It was very dangerous. And you were put in an abusive position because all the workers would go, oh, look at these people. And there was a danger for women of assault. Massive, massive danger. Not an easy job. A couple of things to notice as we start this passage. Ruth is constantly referred to as the Moabite foreigner. It doesn't just say Ruth, you know. It says, Ruth, the Moabite foreigner. In other words, you're an outsider. You're not wanted, really. You're an alien in this place. You're you're different to us. Does that sound a little bit like similar to a situation in our country sometimes, or even in America? People are getting divisive because instead of just saying, my name's Johnny, it'd be, my name's Johnny, and I'm a Christian, and I do this, and I do that. And people would then immediately judge or condemn or support, depending on my name. Ruth was an outsider. So this morning, you might have felt at times as an outsider, you might have felt like you've not fitted in. You might have felt like people are against you, and actually life's tough, and and because people are against you, you can't succeed. Ruth is labeled as this. Ruth, the Moabite foreigner. You're an outsider, an asylum seeker. The equivalent of gleaning that I could think of, when we went to Durban, South Africa, there was guys who lived on the street, and one of the things they did to survive was they went round with shopping trolleys that they found, and any um, aluminium cans or any bits of metal that they would find, they would fill their, their shopping cart with these cans and eventually have enough to get it weighed in and be given a little bit of money. So that would be a modern-day equivalent of gleaning, that they would go around and collect things that other people have left behind, other things, things that people have thrown away, things that people don't care about. So she goes to glean in this field. Ruth chapter 2 carries on. And so she set out. She went and started gleaning in a field, following in the wake of the harvesters. Eventually, she ended up in the part of the field owned by Boaz, her father-in-law, Elimelech's relative, A little later, Boaz came out from Bethlehem. This is the boss. Boaz is the boss. A little later, Boaz the boss came out from Bethlehem and greeting his harvesters said, God be with you. And all his harvesters replied, 
and God bless you. It's almost like a church service in work. You know, the boss comes to the field, God be with you. And everyone says, and also with you. You know, very Church of England, that one, wasn't it? God be with you, and God be with you also. This was in work. This was in the field. This wasn't like, you know, a, a synagogue. It wasn't a place of worship. This was a workplace. And the word here says, eventually, she ended up in the part of the field owned by Boaz. Eventually. It just so happened that. So we started with it just so happened that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's and Ruth's. It just so happened that she ended up in a field owned by this relative. She doesn't know him. She doesn't know where the field is. And in those days, the fields weren't like walled off. You wouldn't fence your field off or wall it off and separate your field from another. You would just own a part of the field and you would know which part was yours. So she ended up in this field totally by accident, although we believe that God provides. So whoever you are this morning, God provides. You might have ended up in this place and thought, well, I'm just giving it a try. You might have ended up in this place by accident. You might have wanted a suntan and gone to the sunbed shop, but you've come in here by, the, by mistake and you feel too polite to leave. Um, but I tell you now, in here we have the sun. The sun. Not the fake sun. <laughs> Okay, we have the sun. You might not go out with a tan, but you might go out with a glow. <laughs> because he wants to fill you afresh this morning. So Boaz, eventually, eventually she ends up in a field owned by Boaz. It just so happened she ended up in a field owned by Boaz. And then it just so happened that Boaz comes out to greet everybody. You know, the boss probably wouldn't turn up every day. It just so happened that he came out to meet everybody, to meet everybody even. You know, there's a name for God that is Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. God is my provider. God has lots of names. God, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He'll care for us. But here we see God the provider. God who provides. God who gives. And God who is working behind the scenes. God is working as we wait. Ruth's situation isn't good. You know, there's nothing left to look or chance in God's kingdom. God is in it all. Do you know, I was going to show a picture of a tapestry this morning, um, but I forgot to send it to the tech team. I've had a busy weekend looking after two children with Dan, and uh, my head's not been in the game as much, but I forgot to send the picture. But the picture was entitled Unruly Backside, so I thought I was a little bit playing with fire anyway, putting a photo called Unruly Backside on the, on the screen. But the, the tapestry was a mess, an absolute mess. All you could see was just knots, cotton. It just looked rubbish, absolute rubbish. But then you saw the flip side. You saw the big picture. And when you turn that tapestry over, it was a beautiful crown of gold that stood out on a blue background. You know, that is how God is working in our lives. He's weaving a tapestry. And at times it might look messy. And at times it might look like there's knots there that can't be undone. At times it might look like you don't have a clue what's going on. But God sees the big picture. And God is at work. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, is working behind the scene. You know, we see the full picture of the tapestry's art. I read a poem. Many of you might have heard of Corrie ten Boom especially as we think about Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day, then actually Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch lady whose family hid Jews in her house at massive personal risk. And eventually they ended up in a concentration camp. And uh, 
She wrote a book called The Hiding Place, if you want to read her story, which she made popular. I don't think she wrote it, but she made a popular poem about weaving. It's called The Weaving, and I'll read it to you. This is Corrie Ten Boom's poem called The Weaving. So think of that tapestry of life where it looks a mess. It's full of knots. It's untidy. It doesn't look like anything good will ever come of it. But then when you turn it over and you see the finished work, when you see it to its completion, it's a thing of beauty. And it's a thing of great awe. And that is your life. It can be a thing of great beauty. What looks like a mess can be taken and flipped. And God can weave it into something that's a masterpiece. This is the poem. It says this. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colours that he weaveth steadily. Sometimes he weaveth sorrow. And I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has plans. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. The flip side is the ultimate picture. In this case, it's a crown. Sometimes he chooses dark threads that we don't understand. You know, I know there are people in this, in this room that this last fortnight's been really tough for. It's great to see Guy with us this morning. Great to see Guy, yeah. We've been... We have been praying for Guy. Guy has suffered a, quite a difficult time, haven't you? And actually, he's with us this morning. Two week, two, yeah, we've been praying for Guy. And we believe that God is in this. You know, a few weeks ago, we had Leon here. You know, Owen, not Leon, his older brother. But God is at work. We don't know why Guy's been hit by this illness, why he's been struck by this situation. But actually, in it all, he's trusted in God. And he's recognized that he can turn to God. Even in those dark thread times, we can come. I know there are people in this room who've struggled massively with addiction, with problems. Even in those dark times, God can take those dark threads and weave them in and out with some silver and gold and make something beautiful, create something beautiful. What beauty out of such mess? And it's not by chance. It's not as if by magic the shopkeeper appeared. It's God is working. Do you trust him? God is weaving the picture of your life in amongst the difficulties and the knots. It's not by chance. Boaz is introduced here. He's wealthy, he's powerful, but also he's a very different and gracious man. He's not lording it over everybody. He comes out and he says, may God be with you. Just then, Boaz came out, as if by magic the shopkeeper appeared. No, it just so happened that Boaz came out to meet them. It just so happens that Boaz meets Ruth. It just so happens that Boaz and Ruth, their line directly leads to Jesus Christ. Ruth is the great, 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 great grandparent, I think, of Jesus. Boaz comes out and gives the blessing, may God be with you, and everyone shouts back, may God be with you. What an amazing work environment. Can you imagine going to work tomorrow, and suddenly your boss walks in and goes, God be with you. And everybody stands up and goes in. God be with you. 
people to think this is a weird place to work, wouldn't they? But, but in reality, what an amazing place. What a difference that would make to life, wouldn't it? Yeah. You go into school and you stand up in Glasgow, God be with you, and everyone shouts back, and God be with you. Because actually they're wanting to say, may God bless you. They recognized that God was central. Boaz was a man of God. He recognized that the weaver was working. And everybody responded to him. Why did they respond to him with those words? Because they saw in his life a man of action as well. It wasn't just God be with you in words. He showed them God with them indeed. Because he demonstrated graciousness. He demonstrated love. We see in Boaz and Ruth the character So God is a provider and a protector. We see that in this passage. But our character needs to be kind and courageous. Kind and courageous. Love is patient and love is kind. Okay? It's weaved all the way through, isn't it? It goes on to say this from verse 5 to verse 14. Boaz asked his young servant who was foreman over the farmhands, Who's this young woman? Where did she come from? The foreman said, Why? That's the Moabite girl. That's the outsider. That's the foreigner. That's the asylum seeker. That's the one who, don't associate with her maybe. The one who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She asked permission, let me glean. She said, and gather among the sheaves following after your harvesters. She's been at it steady ever since, from early morning until now, without so much as a break. You know, Ruth, Ruth wasn't just expecting God's provision to fall into her lap. She was intent on service. She was intent on giving, and she was intent in making things try to happen herself too, but God was in it. Listen, my daughter, Boaz said to Ruth, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Stay right here in this one and stay close to my young women. Watch where they are harvesting and follow them, and don't worry about a thing. Echo of God, don't worry, but in all things, bring it to me. I've given orders to my servants not to harass you, When you get thirsty, feel free to go and drink from the water buckets that the servants have filled. She dropped to her knees and bowed her face to the ground. How does this happen? How does this happen that you should pick me out and treat me so kindly? Me, a foreigner. Boaz answered her, I've heard all about you. Heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law after the death of her husband and how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God reward you well for what you've done and with a generous bonus besides from God to whom you've come seeking protection under his wings. She said, oh sir, such grace, such kindness, I don't deserve it. You've touched my heart, treated me like one of your own and I don't even belong here. Do you feel like you belong here today? Maybe you think, if only they knew. Or maybe you think, I don't fit in. I don't know the songs, doesn't matter. I often get them wrong as well, so don't worry. I don't know this. So God says this morning, I want to show you grace. I want to show you kindness. I've already done it. Jesus gave everything for you and for me. And maybe you don't belong here. Jesus says, come, be part of my family. Be my brother, be my sister. Be God's son, be God's daughter. At the lunch break, Boaz said to her, come over here, eat some bread, dip it in the wine. So she passed, sorry, she joined the harvesters. Boaz passed the roasted grain to her. She ate her fill and even had some left over. Now, Jeff's been doing a fantastic job on a Thursday night and we always ask the question, what's it telling us about Jesus? What's it telling us about Jesus? And as I read this, it tells us about Jesus. She ate her fill and there was some left over. What does that remind you of? 
Yeah, Jesus fed people, and he didn't just leave it at that. He gave them more than they could manage. There was some left over. Do you know, God will not run out with you. God will never run out of patience. He will never run out of love because he wants you to have your fill of him, and he will still have more besides. He will still be there. He was, he, he's not like, you know, my kids might come and say, you know, can I have this for my birthday? Can I have this for Christmas? And there are times where I say, I'm sorry, I've run out of money. I can't, can't buy that. I'm sorry. Sometimes I might run out of time, and sometimes I might run out of patience. You know, God runs out of none of them. He will give you your fill and make sure there is plenty besides. And the second thing was this. They dipped the bread in the wine. Provision for lunch was made. Simple meal. What was a simple meal? A piece of bread dipped in a glass of wine. It was readily available. It's something everybody recognized and understood. A simple meal of bread and wine. And when I finish speaking, we're going to take a simple meal of bread and grape juice so that we don't cause anyone to stumble. Bread and grape juice. Why do we do it? To remember his provision that Jesus gave all that there was and more besides. That as we take this bread, he commanded us to take it. It's a command of God to take the bread and take the cup in remembrance of Jesus. Why do we need to remember him? Because he did it for you, so that you could be saved, that you could be forgiven, that you could have your fill of him. A simple meal. It carries on like this. Verses 15 to 19. When she got up to go back to work, Boaz ordered his servants, let her glean where there's still plenty of grain on the ground. Make it easy for her. Better yet, pull some of the good stuff out and leave it for her to glean. Give her special treatment. Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. When she threshed out what she had gathered, she ended up with nearly a full sack of barley. She gathered up her gleanings, went back to town, and showed her mother-in-law the results of her day's work. She also gave her the leftovers from her lunch. Naomi asked her, so where did you glean today? Whose field? God bless whoever it was who took such good care of you. Ruth told her mother-in-law, the man with whom I work today, his name is Boaz. Do you know, as Ruth was obedient... Boaz poured out more. As Ruth was obedient to what she'd been told to do, Boaz poured out more. You know, I want to point this out. God will give us extra, but not necessarily extra of what we think he'll give us. You know, God doesn't want us all to have wealth and fast cars. You know, he doesn't want us all to win the lottery. He doesn't want us all to, 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 to be blessed in a financial way or physical way. He wants us to be blessed spiritually because that's going to last. That's going to last. God wants you and me to have what we need. You know, I want to point out this. Ruth is still gleaning. Ruth isn't suddenly catapulted into a palace. She's not suddenly catapulted into a life of ease. She's not suddenly everything's rosy and that's great. She's still gleaning. She's still doing that difficult, tiring, dangerous job. She's still in a place which she would rather not be. She's still in a position that she doesn't want to have to do. But God is, sorry, Boaz is blessing her, but God is blessing her through Boaz. You might be in a situation you don't want to be in. You might be going through difficulties. You might be going through tough times. You might be wondering, God, why? I think Phil pointed out last week, most of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. God, why? What are you doing? Where are you in this? But it just so happens that God is working in our waiting. 
It just so happens that God is there and God is on your side. You know, Ruth is still working hard in the field, but she's got the boss on her side. And the boss is kind and gracious. Ruth is still working hard, but she's got the boss on her side. This morning, if you give yourself to him, he's on your side. He's with you. He promises to never leave you, to never forsake you, to never abandon you. You know, when we give ourselves to God, we might not be taken out of the difficult field we're working in. We might not be taken out of the situation that we want to be. But he will be with us. He will be with us. And he will give us what we need. What we need, not what we want. It finishes by saying this. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, why, God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked out on us after all. He's still there. God hasn't left. God hasn't walked out. He's not gone. He's still there. He's still keeping his promise. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. Naomi went on, that man Ruth is one of our circle of covenant redeemers, a close relative of ours. Ruth, the Moabites, said, well, listen to this. He also told me, stick with my workers until my harvesting is finished. Naomi said to Ruth, that's wonderful, dear daughter. Do that, you'll be safe in the company of this young woman. No danger now of being raped in some stranger's field. So Ruth did it. She stuck close to Boaz's young women, gleaning in the fields daily until both the barley and wheat harvesting were finished and she continued living with her mother-in-law. You know, it says he is one of our covenant redeemers. Covenant means promise. Redeemer means to buy back. Or to restore, you know, you take a voucher, you swap it, you exchange it for something. You buy something back. I want to finish with a story I was told in Sunday school. The story of a man who made a boat for his son. He made this boat, he, 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 he weaved it, no, he carved it, he carved it out of wood. And he put sails on it, he painted it, he made it the most beautiful boat ever. And he gave it to his son and his son kept saying, can we go and play with it on the park? And they're like, yeah. Let's go and play with it on the park. So they went and sailed it on the park and the lake was okay in the park and it didn't go too far. But then one day the son took the boat and sailed it on the sea and he lost sight of it. And he was devastated because he lost that precious thing. Weeks, months later, the boy was walking past a toy store, a second-hand toy store, and in the window was the boat. And the dad, he said to dad, dad, that's my boat. And the dad went in and said, how much for the boat? And the man said, oh, it's a very special boat. He said, I know, I made it. He said, no, no, it's very special. It's going to take everything you've got. So he emptied his pockets, handed over his money, and he bought the boat back. You know, he'd made it, but he bought it back. He made the boat the first place. It was his, but it had gone missing. It had got lost. And he went in and he redeemed the boat. He bought it a second time. And that story was told to me as a child to remind me of what Jesus did. You know, God has made us. God has created us to be precious, and he still calls you precious. But he had to send Jesus to buy you back because you'd gone out and got lost. You'd gone out and gone lost. And Jesus said, how much? <laughs> and said, God said, it's going to take everything. It's going to take everything. Jesus is our covenant redeemer. He's promised to us and he wants to buy you back. He's given his life in exchange for yours. That's what the story of Ruth is showing us, that God is in control, that he's weaving in the background. It just so happens that Boaz can redeem this man. That Boaz can redeem Ruth, sorry. And Boaz can redeem Ruth and restore her back to the life she was meant to have. It just so happens 
that Jesus came from this line and he can buy us back and restore us to the life we were meant to have. We just need to trust him. So this morning, I don't know if you've made sense of this story, whether I've made it more complicated, but in the weaving and in the threads, we've got to trust God because he sees the flip side. He sees the big picture. He sees the result of what we're going to go through. He sees what's going to happen. And perseverance and patience breeds faithfulness, which breeds all those different things. God is creating something beautiful out of each life that is redeemed. And it just so happens that he loves you. It just so happens that he welcomes you. It just so happens that he says, come this morning. Because it just so happens that he beats death and sin for you. So what are we going to do? Are we going to just look at the mess, the unruly backside of our tapestry and go, I give up? Or are we going to allow the weaver to keep weaving and say, I trust you to bring beauty out of brokenness, to bring glory out of despair? Ruth, we see next week, start to see more of that picture of Jesus. But who this morning would you say you are? Have you come and said, there's my covenant redeemer. There's the one who's brought me back. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm restored. I'm redeemed. I'm precious. Because that's what he wants you to say. We just need to trust him. If you've never heard the message before, we say this often, we have these cards, and we're going to have a prayer team. These cards explain the story. It says you loved We've all made mistakes. Jesus paid the price on the cross. The question is what you're going to do about it. As a bit of explanation on the back and a prayer, you can pray to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. If that's you this morning, we're going to have a prayer team as we worship. We're going to have a prayer team stood up as we take this bread and wine. Remember, it was dipped. It was a simple meal. We're supposed to take it remembering Jesus, the fact that he has redeemed us because he loves us. So as we take that this morning, think of what he's done for you. Remember what he did for you and give him thanks. But if you want to know him closer, be prayed with. Maybe this morning you've got an issue where you're struggling with the dark threads. Maybe you've had things going on in life that you're just struggling to cope with and you just don't know why and you want to say, God, why? Go to the prayer team and say, can you pray with me? But don't leave here and just let it carry on the same. Make today a day of choice where we say, I'm coming and I'm coming to meet with you, God. So let's pray.